the 209th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the tar heels are the national dadgum champion love guarded by keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it caleb from straight away here are your hosts josh marlowe and anthony pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, this is probably the most happy I'm going to sound all night long because we're here to recap Carolina's 63-57 to defeat tonight at the hands of the arch rival, the Duke Blue Devils, in a game that was simply was simply there for for Carolina to have and and I think I think that's probably the most frustrating part I mean outside of I mean losing to them in general and I think you know the first thing I want to say is for every Tar Heel fan that doesn't think this loss hurts uh whatever you're smoking I want some of it cuz I know what happened last last time last year in Cameron I know what happened last year in the final four when we retired coach K forever Losing to them still sucks. It's still not a really good feeling. It's still a very empty feeling. And that was evident once again tonight after Carolina lost a game that uh, was there for them to win. And, you know, I'm not going to come in here and say that Carolina should have beaten them rather handedly because it's just so hard to go in that building and win. And and Duke is becoming the best version of the team that, you know, th- th- that they're going to be all season long. But, as bad as Carolina played offensively, and it was bad shooting just 34% from the field and shooting 26% from three. As as much as, you know, R.J. Davis had to miss time with foul trouble, as much as Pete Nance was just a liability on the court, this game was was there for Carolina to, to come away with a win and in a setting that Carolina needed a win because, you know, folks now they're 15 and eight. They're seven and five in the league. Um, believe it or not, this team now is squarely on the bubble. Had they won this game tonight, that's probably not the case. That's not the case. And so, you know, all, all of this just kind of culminates in a disappointing result as the greatest rivalry in sports delivered once again. But the uh, the, the ink that this chapter got written in, buddy, it wasn't written in Carolina Blue. It was not, and you're right. This is one that people 
uh, should, you know, be be angry about. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, you could still remember that, look, Carolina won a huge game last year and the one that is the most important. And it's still something that should at least help you a little bit um, through this. But, yes, this one is incredibly frustrating because, yeah, you struggled offensively. So did Duke. They, they are not that good of an offensive team, and they showed that again. That was one of the things that we talked about when we were previewing this game, is that this is not an efficient offensive team. And early in the year, it felt like that was the unit that Carolina could count on the most was their offense. Defensively, at times, we had concerns about this team, especially you know when they were out in Portland, that And when they lost to Indiana, we thought that was really the biggest issues that Carolina had. Well, these last two games have shown you that right now, this team is just not, not doing the things they need to offensively. And I think we're starting to see, and we knew this, we, we knew this when we talked about this team in the preseason. This team desperately misses Brady Manick. They don't have anybody that, right now is coming anywhere close to matching the production that he had a year ago. And that's the biggest issue for this team. They do not have guys on the wing that can knock down shots. It's not there. It hasn't been there for Leaky Black throughout his career. And look, it it looked like early in the year, he may have at least been able to provide more. And tonight he hits three threes in the second half, but he has his biggest look late in the game and misses a wide-open shot. And for Pete Nance, 1 of 10 from the field, 0 of 5 from three. He's that guy that needs to be able to stretch the floor for you out of the four spot, and he's not doing it. And I think, I mean, Carolina right now is just kind of spinning their wheels offensively because – there's a lot of times tonight is an example at other, you know, in, in other games this year, because Pete Nance has been able to give you something, you're really playing four on five, but tonight you're playing three on five tonight. Pretty much their game plan was take away RJ Davis, Armando Baycott and Caleb Love and make somebody else beat you. And Carolina did not have enough pieces to do that. Um, your your other guys struggled once again for the most part. I mean, R.J. Davis, just one of five from beyond the arc, five of 16 overall, hit, hit a couple of big shots in that second half, but had another big look right after he hit uh, the three that uh, – there's only three of the night that gave him 11 points. If he would have knocked that one down, could have been a completely different game, but – I just right now they're th- this team offensively is compromised and it, it's hard to have have a lot of confidence that one of those two guys, Leaky Black or Pete Nance, are going to become the type of offensive players that they you need them to become for this team to get back to where they were a year ago. Yeah, I mean Carolina didn't score the last three minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Of the game. Uh, They averaged just 0.87 points per possession. Uh, That's the second fewest since Hubert Davis became the head coach. The other was 0.82 when they got blown out at Miami last year. And and I think maybe that's, that's why this is such a hard pill to swallow. 
was because this was for for all intents and purposes a more uglier Duke UNC game. Like usually in this type of game, you know, you usually see both teams play really high level offense. It's not that they don't play defense, but both teams for generally the last 60 years have been really well coached and they really execute what they want to try to do on offense. So you usually get a good, uh, you know, a, a good scoring game with good pace, good tempo. And that wasn't tonight's game. Tonight's game was a rock fight. And Carolina was right there in the thick of it. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, had they got blown out, this would have been any easier. But I think it would have been a lot more understandable given the issues this team had on offense. But that's not what happened. You know, they struggled to score, and yet they were right there. You know, until really the last thirty seconds of the game to to have a chance to win, and so you know, it's on on the one hand you've got to commend the way they competed defensively, because um, you know Duke scored twenty points in transition. They scored sixty three points all night long. So virtually a third of their points came in situations where Carolina's defense wasn't set. Um, when Carolina's defense was set, they held Duke to 43 points. And so I think that's got to be commended because this team's defense has been inconsistent at times. But I've kind of been telling you really since ACC play started in full, they've become a better defensive team. But the offense has been the reason why they, they're they 7-5 and five in the league and 15-8 and, and eight overall. And that's, that's even just more evident tonight because they couldn't find ways to supplement their, their inefficient offense. They couldn't find it at the foul line. We'll get into that later. They couldn't find it with second chance points the way they probably needed to tonight. And, and so all in all, it just adds to a, a disappointing result um, in this rivalry because, you know, you had a chance to win your third straight in Cameron. Armando Baycott had a chance to, to improve to three and one individually in Cameron. And, you know, had he decided to come back Next year would have a chance to tie Tyler Hansborough, Danny Green, and Bobby Frazier for you know the most wins ever by a, a Tar Heel and Cameron Indoor Stadium in their career. Um, he can still come back, of course, but now the chances of winning four games in Cameron goes out the window. And so, you know, there's just a lot of disappointing you know things about this. I think we all thought that you know, coming off of the the disappointing loss uh, against Pittsburgh on Wednesday, this team would be. This team would be motivated to to get a win tonight, and it's not that I don't think they weren't motivated. Like you could definitely, you could definitely tell it was a Duke Carolina game. As much as the media wanted to tell us this game wasn't going to feel the same, this game wasn't going to matter. You saw the energy, the emotion that this game brings out on both of these teams, but for some reason, um, Duke's freshman was able to get to a level that that Carolina's veterans weren't. And that's something that we we really pride ourselves on in this rivalry. It's really the biggest reason why Carolina has been where they've been in this rivalry is because for the most part, they've entered the game with less talent than Duke because of the way that Duke runs their program. But the game has in the past meant more to Carolina. Um, and I think tonight was really one of the first times, really probably since Grayson Allen's senior night, that I could look at the floor and and see that I thought the game meant more to Duke than it meant to us, and that's a really hard that's a really hard pill to swallow. Uh, when as as a, as a fan that 
invest himself so much, not into this program, but into this rivalry because of the way that people talk about it now. I kind of feel responsible as a as a podcast host to to be the one to to cherish the rivalry and make it feel important. And so it was a really hard thing to look at and just see that even though I thought my team competed and they played hard, I still don't think the game meant as much to them as it meant to the opponent. Um, and I think that's as big a reason why uh, Duke won the game outside of all the you know the basketball and tangible things that go in to playing winning basketball. Let's take a look now at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And it's pretty general. It's, it's pretty ugly all around. Carolina shot 34% from the field, just 24 of 70 overall. Meanwhile, Duke uh, 39%. They were 24 of 61. Both teams struggled from the three-point line. Uh, Carolina was just seven of twenty-seven off of five of tw- uh, after going five of twenty-seven against Pitt. That's twenty-six percent. Uh, meanwhile, Duke uh, a lot a lot less three-point attempts than what we're used to seeing. They were just four of eleven from three, thirty-six percent free throw disparity uh, went in favor of Duke eleven of fifteen from the foul line. That's seventy-three percent. Carolina just two of three. 67%, as I mentioned. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, turnovers. It, 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 they didn't kill Carolina like you would have thought in a loss. Carolina committed just seven turnovers, which led to six Duke points. Uh, Duke committed 12 turnovers, and Carolina scored just 11 off of those. Uh, the biggest reason for the, the the win tonight for Duke outside of better offense was the rebounding. They won the battle of the boards 46-40. to including 36 or 33 to 26 on the defensive glass. Carolina did out rebound them offensively 14 to 13. Second chance points 15 to 11 in favor of Carolina. Bench points 8 to 5 in favor of Duke as both teams really played their starters for the majority of the game. Fast break points 20 to 2 Duke. Blocks 11 to 3 Duke. I mean, Derek Lively had eight blocks alone, the most blocks by a Duke player in a game against North Carolina. Uh, steals 4 to 3 Duke. Uh, assists Carolina 12 assists on their 24 made baskets. So half of their half of their made baskets were assisted on uh, Duke with 10 assists on 24 of their made baskets. Uh, Carolina led for 15 minutes and two seconds. Duke led for 16 minutes and 59 seconds. Let's move on now to the quote of the game. We go to Hubert Davis's press conference with the general media that was there covering tonight's matchup. And Hubert Davis did address the lack of uh, free throw attempts tonight for Carolina. Makes it turned into a three-touch unit team that you're paying. The stat that I'm looking at is going into the game, we had shot 150 more free throws than any other opponent in our conference. And we shot three. Zero in the second. So that's what I'm looking at. Why do you think you didn't shoot free throws? Is it? You answer it. You attack the basket. How much do you think a lot of really impacted? He did. Oh, he's a fantastic player. And Duke is a fantastic defensive team. Uh, they pressure you. They do a great job with their quickness, moving their feet. You, you know, the first thing that I uh, I really took away from that um, 
that exchange he had with the with the media was that's the first time I can remember Huber Davis being that questionable about the officiating in the in the public's eye because for the most part he doesn't really question the job that the officials done and that just really kind of further you know backs up his antics on the court I don't know about you tonight, man. I mean, I know we watched him coach in a Final Four game against Duke. We watched him coach in a national championship game. Tonight was as animated as I've seen Huber Davis on the sidelines. When they went to that one TV timeout, I believe it was the under-eight timeout in the first half, coming off of a shot where Pete Nance was fouled and they didn't call it. I have never seen him make it a point for the entire time – you saw the 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 game going to commercial, and then when they came back to commercial, he was giving Burt Smith everything Burt Smith wanted and so much more. And so what I mean by this is that you know that's that's gonna that's gonna carry over into this rivalry. That's gonna be something that Duke fans were gonna gonna pick at. And you know, I'm here for it because I I got so tired of being told that this game isn't going to matter and and stuff like that. And I thought one of the best things Seth Greenberg said today on on College Game Day was the thing that's really going to keep this thing going is the two coaches coaching both programs have you know produced blood and sweat in this in this game. They played in it. They've lived it. They know what it's like. I mean, for as great a coaches as Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski are and were. They were played Duke Carolina. But Hubert Davis and John Shire has. And so I think you I think it brought out something in Hubert that we haven't we haven't really seen. And it allowed him to say something in the media that he doesn't generally say. With that being said, um there was one drive in the second half. Caleb Love went up for a, a dunk. He got he got blocked by I think Lively was the one that blocked it and that led to him taking out Kyle Filipowski. And like mm-hmm. the first six times I watched it, I thought it I thought it was a foul. Um by about the seventh time, it wasn't a foul. And so as as hard as it is in this moment, you gotta credit Duke. Their ability to defend at the rim, contest and alter shots without fouling was one of the biggest things in the that determined the outcome of this game. But I'll also tell you, because Hubert Davis said they attacked the rim, you still took 27 three-pointers, and that was 27 too many. And so the one thing that Duke did that, that Carolina should have done was they took the three-pointers that were there within the rhythm and the flow of the offense – Carolina decided to hoist three-point shot after three-point shot instead of attacking the rim and the basket. And what doesn't make sense is after the after the NC State game where they were 36 of 39, this has happened in every game since where Carolina has not been as aggressive going to the basket and living at the foul line. And when you look at the numbers, when the free throw is the most is the most efficient play in basketball, that's the biggest reason why this offense has 
been very efficient rated if you go by Ken Palm or, or other metrics. It's because they 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 get they get easy points there. And so I get what Hubert Davis is saying where he felt like he attacked the rim enough, or he felt like he felt like you he attacked the rim. I would say you didn't do it enough. And you know, generally we know it's easy to go into a Duke game and then you complain about the officiating. I don't think the officials, outside of really that non-call on Pete Nance, were any reason to blame for Carolina not getting the job done tonight. Yeah, I mean, in general, I don't think so. I mean, I definitely think there was a lot of contact at times that, you know, maybe gets called in, in other games. But I think this is just kind of the physicality of, of this rivalry, and they want to kind of let this play itself out on the court. I will say this, though. Um, our guy Chris on social media, we've had him, you know, on the podcast a couple of times, uh, at Dagum Box Scores. Probably most people would know him a little bit better by that. There are only this is only the seventh time in the history of Carolina basketball that they have shot three or fewer free throws in a game. And there was only one that has happened in the modern era. That was last year's game against Michigan, which Carolina, of course, won. Outside of that, every other game besides tonight's where they have shot three or fewer three throw, free throws came in 1923 or earlier. So you you would imagine that you would somehow get to the line more than three times. I agree with you. Part of it is that they weren't as aggressive as they needed to be getting downhill. Some of that has to be credited to Duke, who I think played a really good game defensively. But I also think that you're right. There were times where Carolina just took bad shots. I thought, you know, especially towards the end of the first half, Hubert Davis talked about it with Holly Rowe at halftime. There were there were a lot of shots towards the end of the half that were completely out of the rhythm of their offense. They were poor shots. And Carolina in the first half had nothing for Duke in transition. They weren't much better in the second half, but they weren't nearly as bad. Um, in, in the first half, if Carolina missed a shot, they were allowing a basket down the other end of the floor within about five seconds. Um, and that's just that's that's terrible there's there's honestly no other way around that but taking better shots would have helped you um you know i don't i i think i i get what you're saying that you you've got you know you maybe a little over the top with 27 uh shots too many from beyond the arc but i, I mean right now this team to me it's it's more about you just have to be tough enough to make shots because there were a lot of really good looks that you got. There were some that were out of the rhythm of the offense, but most of those were early in the game. I thought in the second half, pretty much every shot that you took from deep was a good shot, a good look. You didn't knock them down, especially when you needed to. And right now, that's the biggest thing that's killing this team. Um, This is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in program history. And considering all that came back, it's probably the most disappointing three-point shooting team in the history of the program because you really thought that this was going to be a team that would resemble some of what we saw last year. Yeah, losing Brady Manick, you knew it was going to be tough for them to 
you know, come out and produce exactly the way they did a year ago. But for it to be this deep of a drop off, especially after Pete Nance came over from Northwestern, having shot 45% from deep last year. And I mean, look, he he wasn't a guy that took nearly the amount of shots that Brady Manick did, but still much more efficient early in the year to feel like Leaky Black was taking some steps there. And now all of a sudden he seems to be regressing back to the player that we've seen, you know, outside of what we saw early in the second half from him tonight. That that's that's a big element for Carolina. If they can't knock down the three ball, if they can't find a way to get into rhythm, which at this point it's hard to believe that they are going to, then it's hard to see them really reaching their peak. And that's a big reason why they lost tonight. You had good looks, you couldn't knock them down. And if you continue to struggle to shoot the ball the way that they are, it's gonna be easy for teams to just try to pack it in in the lane and keep you out of there and make you knock down shots from the outside. So Carolina's got to find a solution out there, and right now I don't know if it exists on the roster. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's just something that, you know, when you look back at what Brady Manick did for this team last year where he averaged virtually 10 threes per game since February um, and shot 45%, it just did so many different things for – this team on offense as a whole and made Carolina so much tougher to defend. And um, Pete Nance just isn't that guy. Um, and, and I think we thought, because his numbers at Northwestern said that he was a good three-point shooter, but we also knew it was kind of in limited volume. He's not the volume shooter that Brady Manick was a year ago. And if anything, if tonight was any indication, he's just not, he's just not that guy. And he hasn't been that guy. I know we made big plays for Carolina against Ohio State. I know he hit the had the big layup against Syracuse. Um, he hasn't had the impact he was supposed to have, and it's something that you know you can't you can't do nothing about it now. Um, but you have to wonder if when the season's over, does does Huber Davis maybe look back and 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 in hindsight and think? You know, just we don't always have to go get a transfer. I've got guys in 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 the in the building that are more than capable of doing what he's capable of doing. Whether you know, I think that guy is Puff Johnson. You know, maybe you 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 deploy a smaller lineup. I don't know, but um, they you know. here's the thing about that though. They would have gone out and gotten somebody in the transfer portal. And the thing, the, the I get it. I get what you're saying. And I like Puff Johnson, too. I think Puff should, right now, should start over Pete Nance. But the problem with Puff is what we've seen each of his first three years at Carolina. He has so many injury issues. And I knew, you know, before he was out for this little three-game stretch, I think it was the Virginia Tech game. He came out of that game. He was getting his knee looked at. And I knew from that moment forward, we were going to be keeping an eye on him because it's just this this has been the thing with him, man. And my thing is, is somebody brought this up earlier tonight, you know, about not having Pete and how they should have just left, you know, for giving that to somebody that was already on the roster or one of the walk-ons. The problem with that is, though, is that, okay, let's say you do roll with that and let's say Puff does suffer the injury. I mean, where is Carolina at in terms of their – 
their rotation. I mean, because right now, I know people want to believe this, that there are guys on the bench that are superstars that are not getting played for some reason because Hubert Davis is either a terrible coach or because he has some sort of score to settle with these dudes off the court. There is nobody on that bench right now that has the ability to come in and take over a game. There's nobody that is going to make that much of a difference offensively. And right now, that's what you need. Defensively, there are some areas that you still have to clean up. We saw it, 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 you know, again, late in the game that Carolina lets up a big drive to the lane. They still have to learn how to stop the ball better. And that transition defense was an issue tonight. This team needs offensive playmakers. They cannot have guys that are limited on the floor offensively because they already have too many of those guys. And that person does not exist. So if you don't have Pete Nance, I get it. It's frustrating right now. But if you don't have Pete Nance and Pup Johnson it has the injury issues that he's been having, this team would be even more limited. I mean, you, you would basically be looking at them probably playing five guys and that's it that they could that that they could legitimately count it would it would be an iron of five if we have ever seen one yeah no i mean you're you're, you're not wrong um it's just something that i i do think moving forward needs to be evaluated where just because you lose a transfer it doesn't mean you gotta you gotta replace him with the transfer um because right now what it's done is you know, and I know that they've tried to implore him to be more aggressive, and they've tried to prop him up and make him a more confident player. Um, you had no problem last year moving on from Dawson Garcia, even before the injuries and stuff like that. Like You were already pretty much squeezing him out of the rotation, and it just feels like that's the same needs to be done right now with Pete Nance because in a game like tonight, a fifth-year senior can't come up as small as he did. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And this one um, is is pretty easy. Uh, It's transition points. Um, Carolina just had two of them, and Duke had 20 of them. I mean, I mentioned that virtually a third of their points came off of points where Carolina's defense wasn't set, and that was after – 16 of their thir- their first half 33 points came in transition. It was the only reason why Duke not not even was leading the game was the only reason they were in the game. Mm-hmm. Like cuz cuz Carolina had thoroughly outplayed them. Oh, their half court um, offense was terrible in the first half. Carolina was dominating them on the defensive end. And so it was just and I mean, look, I thought Hubert, you know, he he at least was <laughs> aware enough to realize that our our bad shot selection was was a big reason why. Um, and look, second half, you only gave up four four points, but you only had two points. And you, you know, there's been a lot of Tar Heel fans that have complained about this, and even a Tar Heel player. He's he got he has a different Twitter name. If I remember correctly, I think his name was Spencer Dalton. Was is is the guy who kind of just blatantly said that he took that the Huber Davis took the the primary break and the secondary break out of Carolina's offense 
which is a, a, a staple of what Carolina has done since Coach Smith became the head coach. I don't think Huber Davis just took it out the, just to get rid of it. Not when for for sixty some odd years that was, as he said in his in his introductory press conference, it was tried, it was tested, and it was proven successful. Um, I I think Carolina doesn't run a primary and a secondary break offense because our guys aren't smart enough and good enough to to execute it because it's. You know, it's it's all. It, there's so much that goes that goes into that, and so I, I don't, I don't believe a guy that you know mandated that every guy on his staff had to play here. Um, he got rid of a longtime assistant in Steve Robinson mainly because he wasn't a former Tar Heel player. Mm-hmm. I don't think a guy that is as connected to the university as any coach in the history of the program has been just willingly went in there and took it out. No, it, this was a problem before he was the head coach. This started back when Cole Anthony was a part of this team. The, the Him and Caleb Love are very similar point guards. They're not guys that can run the fast break. And, you know, with R.J. Davis, I mean, look, he, he, he tries. There's moments where you can tell he tries to push the pace, but – it's just this is this is not a group that's built to do that because Caleb isn't running with them. Um, Leaky is usually the only guy that's getting down the floor because Armando, you know, we've seen flashes of it at times, but he's not the guy that he was in high school in terms of being able to get down the court and run the fast break. And Pete is definitely not that type of player. We've seen that throughout the year. The biggest thing that is is so tricky with with this year is it goes back to the fact that you have two guys on the wings that cannot make shots for you. Those are the guys that have to step up on secondary breaks. You need your trailing typically forwards to be able to knock down shots and it just isn't there right now. You can't you those guys can't even hit wide open shots in the half court. And when I say wide open, I mean guys literally not on the same side of the court with them. And they're missing the shots. Uh so what do you expect? They're not going to hit one in rhythm in transition. It's just not gonna happen. So I mean, yeah, it's it's okay to be a little bit frustrated with that, but to be honest with you, that is the type of guards that are out there right now. This is this is the new era of guards that you're seeing at the high school and AAU level because everybody wants to be a combo guard. There is no such thing as traditional point guards where guys will just push the floor the way that Carolina is used to doing. There are not Ty Lawsons out there. They 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 just they don't have those guys. Um, the reason that Duke was able to do it tonight. Because our guys weren't good enough to stop the ball. It wasn't that their guys are just these monsters that run up and down the floor at all times. No, there are very few teams in the country that still play that way. Um, it was just that whenever they, Carolina would miss a shot, you know, especially some of those those poor looks that they took at the end of the first half, they were long rebounds. It led to easy runouts, and Carolina just simply did not get back. It was one of the things that was always preached under Roy Williams, and you would imagine that it's still preached under Hubert Davis, but it's just not happening. And so 
that's the thing that you need to take issue with. Um, I don't think Hubert Davis is to blame for that because, as I said, it was happening, even with Caleb Love, it was happening his freshman season. We brought that up multiple times. So it's not just a Hubert Davis thing. But as it always happens, when this game gets played and they lose, everybody wants to blame the head coach. Folks, Hubert Davis is not the reason that this team lost this game tonight. It's the fact that guys simply cannot make shots and they're not executing the way that they need to. You can only do so much. And again, there is not a hero that is coming off the bench for this team. Everybody wants to bring up Jalen Washington. I like Jalen Washington. He's shown flashes. Jalen Washington is an undersized big, and the reason why he's undersized, it's not a slight towards him. He's a guy that was coming off a major knee injury. He wasn't, you know, there was a reason he missed games early in the year as he was still recovering from that. It's going to take him time to build the size to be able to play at this level because he gets bullied on the defensive end of the floor and offensively, you know, he he's he's still he's not able to get inside at times and go to work against some of these bigger bigs. He would not have made that much of a difference tonight. Honestly, uh there would have that the Duke would have gone straight at him with Filipowski because that is who he would have been guarding. So do do say whatever you want. If you think that Hubert Davis is the reason this team lost tonight, you're a moron. All right, so so there you have it. I think that's a a, a perfect way to segue into a break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings Sportsbook, and then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from. Carolina's disappointing, frustrating 63-57 loss tonight to the arch-rival Duke Blue Devils. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in and place a same-gay parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I use DraftKings Sportsbook all through the college football season, through the NFL playoffs, and I'll be sure to use the same thing with these same-game parlay features all at DraftKings Sportsbook for the remainder of the NBA season. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With that promo code TBPN, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void in Ohio, see show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all those great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Get over to DraftKings. Make sure you're using those promo codes to make bets on college hoops, the NBA, the NFL, and so much more. So, uh, you know, the first thing we got to just really discuss through is, uh, I, I, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on this just pretty quickly. Um, is is the shot selection? We talked about it so much coming into the game how important it was going to be, and, and I, I don't even think. You know, we did a we did a good enough job with in the preview because, you know, it, it, I, I didn't see Duke just running 
the other way for 20 fast break points tonight. Like, mm-hmm. um, nobody. I, I, I mean, I, I watch Duke quite a bit. Um, I, I watch generally I'm just about sorry. every, you know, virtually every ACC team, um, throughout the year because of how much I just, I, I just love this conference and I love ACC basketball. I haven't really seen that from them. And, you, you know, the thing about this rivalry is there's always something that shows up that was just completely unexpected. Sometimes it's a player. Sometimes, you, you know, sometimes it's just one team doing something that you didn't think they could do. Or sometimes it's one team doing something that you thought they were going to do and they weren't able to do it. Well, tonight that one thing that just caught everybody off guard was Duke's ability to, to run off of misses. And but the biggest thing about it was, and Jay Billis, I thought, you know, said it perfectly, was Carolina was taking shots that put their defense in a bad position. Like, had Carolina not just run back defensively, mm-hmm. that would have been a bigger issue. Um, I would have probably jumped out the window and in just pure utter frustration. Oh wow, that's it wasn't that's a, a lack of. It wasn't a lack of effort. It was just simply the shots that Carolina was taking was putting their defense in a position to that no no matter what they're not gonna they weren't gonna be able to to get back and, and stop the ball. And so I think that's why we're so frustrated with the head coach and with the backcourt. But I have to imagine that Hubert's told him multiple times. What shots are good? What shots? What shots are bad? Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do when it's, as he says, it's live action out there. Like they're playing the game, you, you know. And look, do do I think they should rein in the three point shooting? Yes. I don't get me wrong. Um, like Pete Nance shooting five three pointers is five too many. I, you know, with Love and, and and Davis, that's part of their game. That's who they are. You got to credit Duke for funneling Leaky Black into taking six three-pointers. But on the flip side, he also made three of them. Um, Puff Johnson taking three is too many. And then Jalen Washington, two minutes into his time on the court, taking one was just a completely inexcusable shot and was just further evidence in that moment. He wasn't ready to be on the court in this type of environment. Hey man, I was told that apparently he's the missing piece, and that he's he's that much better than everybody else. Like I, I just, I mean, yeah, I I agree. I I think that the shot selection was was definitely questionable at times. I thought in the first half more than in the second half. I thought the second half was more of just a lack of executing the shots that were there. Um, I thought there were a lot of good looks, and guys simply just did not knock them down. And to be honest with you, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. How are you going to complain about the coaching on that? If guys are not making shots, there's nothing you can do. And don't give me the crap of taking them out of the game. Well, man, I want to see more of Seth Trimble. Do you really want to see more of Seth Trimble? I think Seth Trimble is going to be a really good player. Love him as a defensive player. He brings nothing offensively the dude cannot run this offense if he does you would have turned the ball over probably 20 times in this game and they would have been going down the other end with ease scoring um I just thought you know in in the first half 
there were just there were some head scratchers, man. There was one by Puff just throwing one up after trying to draw a foul, um, and it leads to an easy break. Um, you know, there's a shot by Leaky, a couple of shots by Leaky um, that you know lead to long rebounds. They run down the floor and finish. Um, and that was Sam. Those shots were you know sandwiched with a great play where he could have done the same thing and shot the ball, but instead dishes it off. And Carolina gets an easy basket at the rim. That's what's so frustrating is that there are times where this team strings it together, they make all the right decisions, and it works out for you know some some really great baskets, some great ball movement baskets. And it's like, okay, this is what we need to be doing. Maybe this is what eventually gets, you know, this is what starts uh, this team being more efficient on the offensive end for this game. And it never seems to happen. There's always that moment, no matter what type of run Carolina goes on offensively, there's always that one moment where somebody takes a bad shot, it takes the offense out of rhythm, and that's that. that is it for the next four, five minutes, Carolina's offense just goes completely dormant. And that is the problem right now. You have to take smart shots. They didn't in the first half. And to me, that that's we've talked about putting games away, and I, they wouldn't have put it away in the first half. But they could have had probably an eight, maybe even double-digit point lead at halftime if they take smarter shots and they don't lead to these long rebounds that lead to transition points. That's what's that's what's most frustrating about the shot selection tonight. Well, I mean, I think what I think the thing that leads to it is Carolina, as in their subconscious of love, Davis and Baycott, know they're playing three on five on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, They've been playing four on five on offense since Leaky Black became a, a starter. Like, I know we scored 13 points. I know he was five of 10 from the field and three of six from three. But he took 10 shots and took six threes because that's what Duke wanted him to do. And and so, you know, but with Pete Nance, it, it's, it's just more – and I know, like, they want him to be more aggressive so he gets more comfortable. It's just not there for him. And so he's playing Simmons on offense. He's passing up good shots, and and Carolina is settling for bad shots. And I think that's the biggest difference is the thing that Brady Manick was able to do last year for this offense was he passed up a good shot for a great shot. Well, those type of shots right now, they don't exist. And so I think that's just why, like, they've got to come to the realization that their best their best offense is to first give the ball to Armando Baycott, who only taking 12 shots tonight was inexcusable. Um, there should not be a game this season he shoots. Moving forward, he, he he's the third most shots attempts on the team. He should lead the team in field goal attempts every single game. Well, but, so this is this is an interesting stat that I think should drive people just absolutely insane. Doc Kennedy, who's a guy that I think most Toriel fans probably follow. If you don't, you should give him a follow. Does a great job, you know, breaking some things down during the game. He said that this is what he called on the a back of the napkin count, um, which is just him kind of calculating it really quickly in his head. He remembers 
Armando having exactly one offensive touch in UNC's set offense in the last 15 minutes of the game. And that was in the last minute on the kickout uh, for the wide-open three that Pete Nance missed. That's it. Your best player touched the ball one time in the half court in the final 15 minutes of the game. How is that? I mean, how in the hell do you actually explain that? And again, how if you're saying, well, that's coaching, no, it ain't. No, because there is no way in hell. I have heard Hubert Davis say it multiple times this year. We need to play inside out. You can only say it so many times. And if guys are not listening to you, there's nothing that you can do. And don't say, well, they're, they're all you got to do is sub someone in. Dude, we've seen those guys in there. They do the same crap. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think it's just something where, you know, as Tar Heel fans, as frustrating as it is, this is a compromised offense. And that's why the formula that you saw against NC State needs to be the formula for this offense. Mm-hmm. Where you you live at the foul line is the most efficient play in, in the game of basketball. And then you just let your offense filter around that, whether with post touches that lead to buckets and then a defense collapsing that lead to three-pointers and open driving lanes, so on and so forth. Because um, they're not – these shooting numbers at this point, they're not – there's not a shooter on this team that's going to come in here and make a difference. I do think if Puff Johnson were a starter, it would do some things different for Carolina, mainly as a screener. And his ability to be a difference maker on the offensive glass. But, you know, on the flip side, you got to worry about how long can he play on defense without getting into foul trouble. So there's just a lot of different things right now that Carolina is dealing with. And uh, it's, it's not trying to make excuses because there's no excuses to be made. It's just that's the reality of the situation. It's a frustrating reality. It's a disappointing reality. But um, that's where Carolina is. You know, when you go back to the, the start of the broadcast, well, the first thing Jay Billis said that the team that wins the rebounding battle is going to win the ball game. Because in these types of games, that's what really determines the outcome. And he was right. Um, and and the, the thing that Duke has done so, so much better this year than they've done in recent years is they've been willing to do the dirty work. And that was evident tonight by out-rebounding Carolina 46-40. to um, You know, it's a pretty high volume of rebounds, but when you have all the, the, the missed shots that these teams had, you know, it makes a lot of sense. But Armando Baycott had 10 rebounds. Leaky Black had 10 rebounds. R.J. Davis had five. Pete Nance had five. Caleb Love had one. And that just simply, just simply wasn't wasn't enough. Um, Derek Lively for Duke individually, fourteen. Jeremy Roach, seven. Tyrese Proctor, seven. That's Duke's backcourt. They combined for fourteen rebounds. Uh, Mark Mitchell, eight. And then Filipowski, who averages nine and a half, only had seven. Duke had the type of rebounding game that Carolina needed to have in this one, and. Um, I think the most frustrating thing was even though Carolina out-rebounded them offensively, 
it felt like from about the six-minute stretch on in the second half, every loose ball Duke, Duke got there. And that's why I said earlier in the show that, you know, it just felt like the game meant more to Duke because they were getting those loose balls. They were sacrificing their body. And, you know, first off, the, the thing you got to really do is you got to credit the job they did limiting the impact of Armando Baycott's ability to control the glass and and then being able to get all their guys to the glass. And this has got to be something where Hubert Davis has to tell his team, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and and, che- and, 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 and check your competitive spirit. Because in these types of games, rebounding, sacrificing your body, diving for loose balls, you maybe have to ask that in November when you're playing Brown or whoever. Shouldn't have to ask that in this one. Like, you, you know. And so it was just something that, you know, how many times has Carolina went into Cameron and won simply because they just owned the glass? Did it last that's why year? They, that's Did why they won the regular season finale. You know, you go back to the 2016 team, it wasn't a pretty offensive performance, but, you know, Carolina almost doubled them up on the glass. You go back to 2019, Carolina was able to pummel them on the glass. You mentioned last year's win. And so, like, it, the, the recipe, the formula is there. And Carolina, for the, the, the better part of – the last couple of years where they've really, you know, like I say, owned the robber, but the robbery's tilted in their favors. It's but it's been because they won the rebounding margin, and that didn't happen tonight. And I think that just as much as anything about this game is was 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 equally as frustrating as anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't shocking though because this Duke team is is kind of built differently. I mean, they came in, they were the best offensive rebounding team in the entire country, um, and look, they grabbed thirteen tonight. Uh, that's an area that you would have liked to see Carolina do a little bit of a better job. Um, but here's the thing: it was mainly just late in the game. It felt like Carolina got out, out executed. Duke had that huge offensive rebound that eventually led to, after the timeout, led to them getting the basket by Jeremy Roach, you know, blowing by R.J. Davis. Um, and that's the thing. You know, you, you can have teams that, even if you get out-rebounded overall, because even if Carolina grabs that offensive rebound or grabs that defensive rebound, excuse me, and goes down and scores on the offensive end, they still get out-rebounded. But – it's more about the timely rebounds. Carolina couldn't get them tonight. And that's the frustrating part. Last year, they were able to get them. Um, and the reason that I brought up last year's game first is because if you're saying, well, the reason that Carolina was able to out-rebound Duke for so long was because they played two bigs. They sure as hell didn't play two bigs last year. You had Brady Manick out there who played really well, rebounded well in that game. Everybody did. Um, this game, I mean, look, you had Leaky Black who had 10 rebounds in this one. But again, that four spot, man, Pete Nance just saying that, man. That dude just cannot rebound the way that you need him to. He's not physical enough. It showed up again tonight. There were times where, um, you know, you just you, you should have been running towards a, a, a ball coming off the rim and 
they just he didn't take the right angle. It wasn't just him, though. I'm not trying to single him out. There were other guys where it looked like Carolina had chances to get to loose balls, and they just they, they just didn't take the right angle, or you know they were they they frankly at times just didn't give the effort, and that's where your frustration comes in, and and is understandable that it looked like there were times where Duke just wanted it more than Carolina. Um, and that's that's definitely a, a frustrating element of this game. I'm not too angry at the fact that they got out rebounded, just because. Yeah, I knew this was a good rebound team, rebounding team coming in. But this is a team that, at at the least, when they've needed to get rebounds late in games, they've typically been able to do that as a program. This year, more than any, we're starting to see. I mean, go back to that Alabama game, and again, I know Alabama. Really, really good rebounding team, especially at that time. They were the number one rebounding team in the country, I believe. But this is Tar Heel basketball. Even if you're not going to out-rebound somebody, when it comes to late-game scenarios, you should be able to bring in the timely rebounds. And they didn't again tonight, and it ultimately ends up costing them. And it's something that moving forward, they have to get figured out. You need other guys to step up, whether that is your guards, and it probably has to be at this point. Maybe it is somebody off the bench because, again, there are so many people that are clamoring for some of these guys to get in, get, get time off the bench. Well, if somebody can come out here and just clean up on the glass, then they will probably get an opportunity. But I don't really see that guy that's out there right now. So um, it's – you know, it's it's a it's another frustrating element because it felt like in years past, you know, that was something that could help cover up the weaknesses that Carolina had, especially, you know, we talk about how much this team has been struggling from beyond the arc. Well, the offensive rebounding, and look, they got 14 offensive rebounds tonight, but um, you know, th- this team, it's felt like rebounding has helped to cover up some of the shooting issues they've had in the past and so far this year, it just doesn't feel like that is necessarily the case. I think the really the last thing I want to touch on, because um, I think we've covered a lot, is the rotation because that just seems to be the, the major talking point mm. um after tonight's game. Uh here's the starter or here's the here's the minutes played by starters. Caleb Love played 37, that was the most. R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott both both played 35. Uh, Leaky Black played 34. Pete Nance played 30. Off the bench, Puff Johnson, 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. DeMarco Dunn, 5. Jalen Washington, 4. Seth Trimble, 4. Um, I, I think the only time that I really was – I guess frustrated with the lineup that was on the court was when Roy or not Roy went when Hubert went big yes. and he had I want to say he had Armando Jalen it was Pete Pete yeah he went real I, big. I think it was I think it was DeMarco and Caleb was the five on the court I think he had taken RJ out or he may have had RJ in that was really the only time where I was like, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, mainly because 
Where were you going to drive the ball? How could right. you? Well, RJ, RJ, that was that was when RJ was out because it was in the first half after he picked up his second. So they kind of had to have him on the bench because I think that was with about like six or seven minutes left in the half. So you weren't putting RJ back in that early to pick up a possible third. So yeah, they were they were definitely limited with how they were. Yeah, that one. That one was confusing, not even really more because they were running with two bigs. It was more of how they were surrounding the two bigs that I think kind of had a scratch in our head a little bit. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that like, you know, in the second half, (sighs) I would have been okay. And I mean, he, he, he... Really, I would have played the starters until one got in foul trouble. And, of course, that happened with RJ when he picked up his fourth foul. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, many people wondered why he allowed Jeremy Roach to get right to the basket. Carolina tried to get a sub in, but they didn't get the sub to the table until after the horn was blown. So that's something where Carolina's bench has to be, you know, on its toes, ready to 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 do such a thing if they want to try to get a substitute in in that situation. Um, but shouldn't have matter. Shouldn't have matter though. It goes back to what we just talked about with not getting a timely rebound. But go on. You know, when when I look into the for the second half. I didn't have a problem that Jalen Washington didn't see the floor. Didn't have a problem that Seth Trimble didn't see the floor. Mm. Didn't have a problem that DeMarco Dunn didn't see the floor. And and look, we've been very questionable. Because I think the most frustrating thing about where Carolina is right now is it's February and there's not a set rotation. And I know that he says that players determine minutes by how they practice and practice and then how they execute in the game. That's – I'm going to be honest with you, that's that's not it. In college, you've got to have a set rotation. You it's, 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 it's extremely difficult to just expect your guys to be ready to go night in, night out because they're not professionals. They're college players. And so I think that's something where as much as I want to see Dontre Styles on the court, I think he has something that he could offer this team. You know, how, how does how does it, it's you're putting these players, I think, in an in a difficult spot because they probably feel like they're doing what they need to do in practice and then they're not being rewarded with playing time on the court. Well, you know what, though? You know what? Here's the problem, though, with Dontre Styles. It has been all year with him. We haven't seen him. He, he was expected to be a big part of what this team did. Clearly, he is not doing something right in practice. And it's consistent. Because if it wasn't consistent, then you would, you would have seen him more during the out of conference. The fact that he played as little as he did like, guys, there's a reason why he's not playing. And if he ain't practicing hard, I'm sorry. You don't just gift guys minutes. You don't. He's not a good enough offensive player to do that anyways. Like, am I wrong on that? Do we think this dude is some superstar offensive player? Because I sure as hell ain't seen that from him when he's been in the game. You know, I'm not saying that he's a superstar player. Do I think he's a difference maker? Yes. What, because uh, he can rebound? I mean, that's the only thing that he's got going for him. I don't think he's yeah. a great defender. Like, he's, I don't think he's, he's got a better a body defender that than... can allow him to do multiple different things with the ball. 
Um, I do think for the most part his defense, given the fact that he's a second-year player that hasn't played very much, still gives you a lot more than probably what you're willing you're willing to give him. I, I think the thing is, is that this is just a compromised unit. And believe it or not, I think our best avenue moving forward is to find five, six guys and play them like you did last year. It's not ideal. Um, I don't think it's – oh, I don't think it lends to you winning a national championship. But neither is neither is playing more rotation guys. Well, and, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, these games are getting way too important. It's way too important for Seth Trimble to get a growing experience, for Jalen Washington to – Jalen Washington had his moment. He had that moment at Virginia. You saw what he is going, what he's capable of being in the future. A really good offensive player, but a guy that has some room to grow defensively. And that's okay. But, you know, I I think we just really thought coming into this season, because there was such an emphasis from Hubert in the offseason to create more depth, and some of these guys maybe didn't take the step that we wanted them to take. I think DeMarco Dunn's taking that step. Yeah. I think he's a guy that I trust being on the court and playing a role in meaningful minutes. Well, I think for, for Pup, it's just about his availability. It's If he's available, I think Hubert Davis is going to play him. Mm-hmm. He's going to play him probably 15, 15 to 20 minutes, and that's – that's good. Do I think that he can go deeper than that right now? No. I mean, for the people that wanted Tyler Nickel to play tonight, look, I know what Tyler Nickel did in that Syracuse game where he made some really big effort plays, and maybe tonight that would have made a difference. I don't know. But you're also putting a freshman player who hasn't played a whole lot in a situation to where if something goes wrong, he misses a, a shot. He commits a turnover, whatever it does. What is – what's that doing to his confidence? You don't know. He doesn't and have it, any to begin with. God. You know, it's just different here because of the way Carolina runs and operates its program. Duke's freshmen are confident because Duke relies on freshmen. They so, have no choice. You know, like at Carolina, where you're we're wanting to blend in the youth with the experienced talent and stuff like that, it's gonna grow. And it's 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 going to take time. And at the end of the day, these guys are gonna be really good players. Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington are gonna be the faces of this team in two seasons. Mm-hmm. We hope it's a good team. We hope it's a team that's competing for a championship. And when that time comes, we'll sit here and say, Man, it's really glad that you know, as freshmen, we didn't ruin them all together. And so I think the, the thing is, is just that more than anything, I think you should be disappointed really more in the fact that Dontre Styles didn't take that step. You wanted him to take this, this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this summer to become a better player because DeMarco Dunn did, Puff Johnson did, had Dontre Styles done so. Well, now all of a sudden you're, you're eight deep. And then when you filter in the fact that Trimble's going to get his run from time to time, and so is Nickel, and even now Jalen Washington, well, now most nights you're you're ninety. Mm-hmm. So you know the the depth was there to be made, and it wasn't made. And, and I know, look, 
in November and December, that's when you want to develop depth. But I think we forgot that in November and December, we were playing close games with mid-major opponents. Also, again, who? so if, if you're bringing that up, the guy that everybody's talking about, Jalen Washington, how are you supposed to play him more? He was hurt. He was coming back off the injury. But, hey, we should have rushed him back, right? We should have rushed him back and tried to push that up so that we could have the depth this year. I mean, take your heads out of your asses, folks. Seriously. There's nobody on this team that is great off the bench that's going to light it up, man. The one guy that you know is a good rotational player off the bench for you is still dealing with injury issues. And, yes, I'm sorry, man. I'm not cutting Dontrez Styles any slack here because there is a reason that he is not playing. He played more last year. We saw, dude, he played a big role for Carolina in the game against Baylor. Clearly, Hubert Davis did not go into this offseason and say, man, I'm looking for ways not to play him. He's not doing the things that he is supposed to do to be a part of the rotation. You know, and, and guess what? None of us are at practice, so you can criticize Hubert Davis all you want, but he's there day-to-day with the rest of this coaching staff. Also, if the rest of this coaching staff thought Hubert Davis was being unfair to him, you would probably see more arguing in games trying to get him into the game. You don't see that. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. I agree with you. I like the fact when he is in the game, he rebounds the hell out of the basketball, but there's a reason why he is not playing. And you have to trust Hubert Davis with that. Tyler Nickel, yes, he is a guy people want to bring up. Well, he's a four-star prospect. Folks, a four-star prospect in college basketball is much different than a four-star prospect in college football. It just is. And most four-star prospects in college football don't even play their freshman year. He's a guy that right now, when he's on the floor, he's limited offensively. And he's a guy that right now doesn't have the confidence that he needs to be that big three-point shooter for Carolina. Not to mention, he still has some a, a lot of growth that he's going to have to go through on the defensive end of the floor. And then Seth Trimble. Again, I like what Seth Trimble does on the defensive end. But it really, since the midpoint of conference play, um, and, and really even a little bit before that, the game has gotten really, really fast on him. He is just, I mean, there are times where he is completely out of control with the ball in his hands. And look, it happens. We've seen this so many times with freshman point guards. But he's a guy that even before all of that really wasn't providing you much in terms of scoring. And that's the most important thing right now that this bench needs. You need guys that can score the basketball. You don't have that. There's nobody off this bench that can score the basketball. And somebody somebody had the audacity tonight to bring up, well, what if Kerwin Walton was here? Dude, if Kerwin Walton was in this game, Carolina would have lost this game by 15 or more points because guys would have been blowing by him and getting to the lane like it was nothing. Kerwin Walton was a horrendous defender. Watched him play earlier today. He's not gotten any better. He's the same dude. He's not, and and last year we saw he didn't have the confidence. He wasn't knocking down shots. So for all these people that just want to sit here and criticize Hubert Davis, I mean, folks, 
I, I just, how many times am I going to have to say this? You could not have asked for a much better first year under Hubert Davis. You could say whatever you want. And if you really believe that these players are the reason that they, are the only reason that they got where they got, I mean, really, dude, put down, put, put down whatever crack pipe you are smoking because that is not even remotely close to the truth. Hubert Davis did an amazing job in his first year. He had this team on the brink of winning a national championship. And for some reason, because we, we are in the middle of the next season, we are not even a full season from that. And we're saying, well, we could probably do better. I mean, holy crap. You've got to be kidding me. If you actually believe that, I, I just, you don't know anything about basketball. Seriously. Get the hell out of here with that crap. And I said this on social media after the game. Why is it that every time that we lose to this team, we always have to have an argument about the coach should be fired? Because we did this for years with Roy Williams. Well, those same people that did that, well, now they want Hubert Davis gone. So apparently that argument was stupid then, and it's even stupider now. Shut the hell up and cut this man a break. He is dealing with a team right now that – clearly was not able to build off of last year. They don't have the depth, and he is coaching his ass off to try to figure out what they can possibly do, but it's just not working. It happens sometimes, folks. Get over it. In closing, I think tonight just was another disappointing result in what's becoming a very disappointing season um, because Carolina now 15-8, and 7-5 and five in the league. One quad win, quad one win to their resume, squarely on the bubble, and it doesn't get any easier. Uh, they got to go on the road against another Big Four school in Wake Forest, a team that got a big win today against Notre Dame. Will be looking for another big win at home as they try to build themselves back into into being an NCAA tournament team. And we'll have you cover with all that and, and so much more at HeelToughBlog.com where if you want to depress yourself a little bit more, go back and read the recap of what went wrong in tonight's game for Carolina against Duke. Of course, I'll be back at the beginning of next week to get you ready with the matchup at Wake Forest. As for football, uh, any news and notes that does come out of the Keenan Center, Anthony has you covered on that. Same thing with recruiting as they're starting to get a nice little nice little headway on that 2024 class. Uh, find all that great football and basketball coverage. That's HeelToughBlog.com. Guys, as for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Uh, just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up right there for you guys. We encourage you to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any uh, any game previews, any game recaps, any interviews. All the coverage we have for you on the podcast, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.